0: Well, you're on with the script.
1: Yeah. So, good morning. Welcome to our first episode. Today we're going to start with a case from the UK. On the morning of the 11th of April, 2016, Helen Bailey, who was a successful children's book author, was at home in the house she shared with her partner. And it was known that she was there. She was emailing a friend and doing internet searches. But by lunchtime, her phone was going unanswered. She was never heard from by her family and friends again. Helen Bailey was born on the 22nd of August 1964 in Northumberland, almost by definition in the north of England, near Newcastle-upon-Tyne. She led a fairly ordinary young life, eventually meeting a man called John Sinfield. Sinfield? And after being together seven years... They married and they settled in London. John was a successful businessman. Now, Helen um, had a working background in media, and that's where she took up writing. When She she said she was successful. She was the author of five books aimed at the teenage market, and they were known as the Electra Brown series. She published a number of other works and articles, and 22 in all, so they did quite well. Um, John and Helen took a, a winter holiday to Barbados in 2011. Um, this is where I got mixed up. I was absolutely convinced he was drowned in the tsunami of two thousand and four, but a way out. Uh, John was caught in a rip current while swimming in the sea, and he drowned in front of Helen. She watched it happen. Now, the fact is that she was she struggled because he he drowned in front of her on this beach in Barbados. So, in the aftermath of this personal tragedy, and feeling like she was drowning herself in grief. Helen poured all her feelings and writer's in- insights into an online blog, which was called Planet Grief. She eventually turned this into a book, which actually was a bestseller. Is Planet Grief still up? It's still live, yeah. If you search it, you can still find that. Now, the book, when bad things happen in good bikinis, because the joke was, um, that well, as the doctor told her, that John was dead. The only thing she could think of was the bikini she was wearing. It's absolutely bizarre what your brain does to it. Makes it catchy. Yeah, um, that was published in 2015. So again, she she turned to what she knew, which is great. Um, But she was still struggling. Um, She would often reach out on various social media pages uh, to various grief forums and such like. And she eventually connected uh, with a man on Facebook um, and it was a specific bereavement page. She felt a connection to him. And she went on in subsequent um, interviews and on her blog to label him as the gorgeous grey-haired widower, or GGHW. Now, there's a huge hint, and I will post the photographs of him to our social media. Um, my first thought was, oh dear. There's no accounting for taste when I saw that. As but... soon
0: as you say he, she met someone on Facebook... I don't know anything about the case, but I'm immediately like, he did it.
1: Hold that thought. Hold that thought. She started a relationship with him in October 2011, so it was only eight months after her husband died. Um, She described him as her happy ever after. And the GGHW was a chap called Ian Stewart. Now, Ian Stewart was originally from a town called Letchworth. Uh, in Hertfordshire and he appears to have been a software developer at some time his background is very odd Um, it's quite vague what is known is that he had been married to a lady called Diane and he'd had two sons and his wife died in June 2010 collapsing from an epileptic fit in the garden home in Bassingbourne which is not very far from a place called Royston which again is in Hertfordshire Very little appears to have been found out about him in the press. Statements of a now-deleted Reddit user is in the following. An oddity, given that UK media are usually diligent at raking over the coals, is that the murderer, in effect, started to exist when he was 50 or so, and his first wife died. Almost nothing has been published. Also, quotes from family members and friends are absent. Now, that's not actually completely true. I did find some quotes. Which I'll go on to.
0: Was that were those post that Reddit post in the first place? Like the subsequent things you found? I
1: didn't actually check the timelines on those. There oh, are. well, I cracked the case. He did it. I've, I've got I've got all the links, which will go up on the website. So, carrying on the quote, he is described in his thirties as he was very quiet, rarely spoke until spoken to, and almost never contributed to meetings at work. But this was a good software developer. What I remember most vividly, apart from his facial appearance, was that he was tall, but he had pronounced stoop and was also a surprisingly slow walker. Now, there's some discussion that goes on within this Reddit forum that he uh, he, he may well have had an unusual medical or neurological condition. But if it's true, it seems to be it's rather like the Stephen Hawkins type of MS, as in very, very slow to put in an appearance and about 30 years sooner than it should have actually shown. If if this is true, there's no verification I can find anywhere that he did have this. But there's some interesting stuff further on about that. Um, Because there are reports in the press that he hadn't worked for 20 years prior to him meeting Helen Bailey. I he thought he was, was
0: a software developer.
1: Yeah, though. originally when he was, you know, first starting. So he had a
0: twenty-year period of nothing happening.
1: Yeah, but this is where it's really weird. He had a hadn't worked for twenty years due to this neurological condition, and he's received a payout of some two thousand pounds per month in addition to the thirty-three thousand pound payout of insurance from the death of his first wife. Now I don't know of any insurance policy that will carry on for twenty years paying out two thousand pounds a month. I'm sure somebody out there may know different, but I don't, I've never heard of that. That's like five hundred grand, isn't it? Yeah, so that's an awful lot of money. Yeah, that's like half it's a million. an awful lot of money, yeah. So Helen and Ian are together in a relationship, and they bought a house together in Royston, in Hertfordshire, in 2012. So, again, this is not that long after the loss of her first husband. Royston is a small town north of London. It's an area known as the Home Counties, roughly an hour by train from central London. Now, if the truth be told, the house was actually almost a mansion. It's described as a seven-bedroomed, and it was called Hartwell Lodge. Now, doing some Googling, property websites show it as five-bedroomed. Now, apparently, it sold for 1.25 million in 2019. That is massive. Yeah, it's a big house, but the, I googled again, it. That is massive. Yeah. But the differences say it's described in the in the newspaper articles seven bedrooms. But if you read the property websites, it says five bedrooms. But it's still big. It has a swimming pool. I don't that's just an
0: expensive puddle. That's massive.
1: Yeah. yeah. Carry on, sorry. Right. Now they nice moved it's a nice house. And they moved in together with his sons. He had two sons, remember, from his first wife, and they were adults by that point, okay? Now it appears that the neighbours didn't have anything positive to say about Ian. Um, Quoting again... Jelous of his house. All the houses in that road are very similar, trust me. I've I've had a look on Google Maps. Um, Quoting again, on one occasion he flew into a manic rage over the size of the hedge. He would also hurl rocks at the neighbours' dogs to try and stop them from barking. Apparently... Not quite, yeah. he objected to them trimming what he called his hedge and said the neighbours, and again, quoting, the neighbours went so far as to get the deeds of their house from their solicitors to prove that they owned this bloody hedge. Um, again, quoting the neighbours, apparently um, a lot of shouting was heard coming from the house too and people locally actually avoided him. They didn't go out of their way to say hello to him when they saw him outside. So it turns out Helen had written a will in 2012, whereby her fortune, now, don't know whether this was from writing or from the insurance policy from her first husband, again, guessing, was split between her friend and her brother and her stepson by her first husband. Now, sometime after meeting Ian Stewart, they'd started to plan a wedding. And looking forward, she changed her will in 2014 so that stuart in Stewart would inherit most of the money and she also took out a life insurance policy to save on the inheritance tax costs for him and in 2015 she gave what's known as power of attorney to her brother and stuart allowing them to legally manage her affairs should she become unfit
0: yeah incapable of making coherent decisions
1: yeah now she had a history of depression this was before her husband's death. So could she have been worried about that? You know, if she'd have gotten worse, but...
0: During this whole time, she is she still operating this online?
1: Yeah, she's still doing the blog. And again, this this is in 2014 where she changed her will. And she turned the blog into a book in 2015. So she's still, you know, but she's looking possibilities. Yes,
0: her, she's improving. Things are going up. By all accounts, she's met someone. They've got a massive house. With a swimming pool, like the family's expanded. She's like because she has two children and he has two children. No,
1: she had um, a stepson from her first husband. He'd been married previously. He was a widower, so she's she's now into onto her second widow, uh, which doesn't. I'm, I'm, I'm starting
0: to think she did it now. <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: right now go on to where she went missing Helen is reported as having taken her beloved and Boris out for a walk in the afternoon of the 11th of April now I'm assuming that she was reported by Ian Stewart because I can't find any mention of her being seen by any neighbours any CCTV anything where the report of her going out with Boris comes from can't tell absolutely can't find that now the sighting reporting is oddly specific, as being last seen at 2.45pm, exactly 245 so it's an odd timing. She, now, she was supposed to be at a solicitor's in Newcastle that same afternoon, sorting out the sale of a flat that she owned in Newcastle. Now, it would have been a four-hour car journey, or about three-and-a-half-hour train journey from there, she would have had to have made changes. So I'm wondering if her appointment was later in the day; hence, why she was still at home in the morning, but being seen at two forty-five. She wouldn't get there till gone six seven. Yeah, and there's no way the solicitor would have still been there that time of night. No, no chance. So, do you think the report of the dog walking was fabricated? To don't know where the do- where the report of her walking the dog came from. She was by noon. It's definitely known. It's been definitely proven. She'd stopped ailing a friend, and there are no more in- internet searches on her laptop, which were very specific. They were looking. She was looking for wedding venues, because she was supposedly marrying this Ian Stewart, and every time she tried to book a wedding venue, it'd fallen through. And she was actually looking at Brocket Hall, which is down in St Albans. Um, good hour and a half also from Royston so but I'm supposing it's closer to London so she could have had you know international friends joining her but wherever so I don't know how she was supposed to have been out with Boris in the afternoon but getting to see the solicitors I think that so-called sighting actually came from Stuart Ian Stewart and I think it's complete lack of planning on his part that he gave that timing because it's obviously...
0: He didn't account for the discrepancy of, yeah why it, would it she be there work. knowing but, she has to be somewhere yeah, in four hours?
1: But, the, the it, again, the interesting part is it, again, doesn't make sense because Stuart actually visited that solicitor in that afternoon. He kept that appointment that Helen was supposed to have had. haven't been able to find out what time that appointment was. But even if you say it's the last one in the day at 5.30...
0: It doesn't provide enough time. He he, he would have
1: had to have left about one o'clock in the afternoon at the very latest to get up to this solicitors. So how
0: would he see? But then again, we don't know who reported the dog walking. So
1: again, it doesn't seem to come from anywhere. I think it came from him, but I've not been able to. You can only listen to a number of um, interviews online and it doesn't cover those aspects of the case. But that's me being nitpicking. Now, Stuart visited the solicitors in her place. Again, he must have shot off to get there because it's not a short trip. It's not round the corner. A short trip. It's a short trip, yeah. Um, he was told the solicitor that Helen was unwell and he wanted to stand in as proxy to sign the papers to push the sale through. Now, they weren't married.
0: I was going to say, you can, you, surely you can't do that. They've got no legal binding together.
1: Yeah, well, well, that didn't work. The solicitor wasn't having any of it. And it made the solicitor very uneasy and he testified to that in court. Stuart tried again on a number of occasions after this particular visit in person to force the sale of house using, sorry, the sale of the flat. It wasn't a house, it was a flat. Using that power of attorney that Helen had signed if she became unfit. It didn't have any success for that because that power of attorney specifically only applied if Helen was alive, and at that point, she was missing.
0: Presumed dead by that point, or just, just missing. missing,
1: but she had to be alive, and they were they had to be able to prove she was unfit,
0: yeah, which you can't do if she's missing,
1: exactly. Yeah. So that, um must have made Stuart panic uh, when he realised he couldn't liquidate the assets and showed he really didn't have a workable plan for everything that followed afterwards so on the afternoon of the 11th when Helen was supposed to have gone missing Ian Stewart also gained access to Helen's bank account now I'm assuming as there were a couple it wasn't
0: how was he doing this like and I know it wasn't long ago this is only about six years ago isn't it Helen, I, I don't
1: know Helen could have written down the passwords there were a couple she might have given him the passwords yeah true you, she might have had an app on.
0: I know in hindsight, but when you say that someone is trying to make the sale of a flat go faster, trying to get access to bank details and bank accounts. But
1: this is what all alerted the place to him.
0: Yeah, because you're doing something fishy. Yeah, like... but I,
1: yeah, yeah. He gained access to Helen's bank account and he changed the standing order that Helen had set up with him as a beneficiary. Now, bearing in mind, he was supposedly getting £2,000 a month from this insurance policy for him not working for 20 years. Now, Helen was also sending him... Now, this... It appears to be £400 a month. Some sources say 600 but I can't verify the 600 It seems to be a figure that plucked, you know. I don't know if she was giving it to him as play money. I don't know why she would <laughs> be giving him such a strange amount of money. But he changed that sum on that standing order to four grand a month. Now, that ain't obvious, is it? Or
0: a whole extra zero, no.
1: But it's fairly easy to put an extra zero on something. And may, he may be... I don't know if he thought... Bear in mind, he's supposed to be in a computer boffin. He, I don't know whether he thought the bank systems wouldn't notice. I, it's it, a weird. magnitude
0: of 10. It isn't like, oh, it's just an extra know, zero or an extra 10p. I
1: know. Now... Hella's missing. But Ian Stewart didn't report her missing until the 15th of April. So that was four days. He dialed the 101 police non emergency number um, and he said that she'd left a note that she wanted time to herself and gone to a holiday cottage that she owned in Broadstairs down in Kent. Now he claimed that he went down to check on that property. Again, he was vague as to when he'd gone, but he said it was seems to be after the 11th and before the 15th, when he reported her missing. Now, apparently, it'd be roughly a two-hour drive from where they lived in Royston down to Broadstairs. Two hours, 40 minutes, you fight your way around the M25, which is the biggest car park in Europe, so I'm guessing he went the shorter route. But he said he found no evidence of being there. Now, you can listen to the interview tapes online, um, and when the police... Um, they initially treated him as a worried family member of a missing person. Mm. He comes across as affable, forgetful, bumbling, and in the words of Professor David Wilson, he described him as buffoonish. Professor David Wilson um, is part of a a documentary that was also done, and again, that will be in the show notes. Ian Stewart really didn't seem to have any clue when he saw her last. He couldn't tell the police anything. You listen to these tapes, and it's really weird. He, He talks about a trip to a dump... Uh, mentioning a dispose of an old duvet in some boxes, and he said that he'd gone to get to the doctors to get a, a recent surgery wound dressed, but he didn't seem to know when he'd gone to the doctors, what time of the day, or even what day it had actually happened. It's really bizarre to listen to it. It's like listening to somebody that's... He, he's mashed four or five days all into one.
0: Not to play devil's advocate, but if there's something that's, like, fairly innocuous, like... Um, when did you go to Tesco's or when did you go to a shop it's quite difficult to give the details of that when someone asks that when it's no longer innocuous when it's now the the excuse of were you with this person when they were last seen etc I could see how that could be done if he didn't know when he went to the doctors
1: I agree to a degree um, but I think I've seen the videotapes of this when they, they they actually filmed him in his home or their home in Royston and if, if people tend to run around and try and find bits of paper or get their phone out to show when they had an appointment or have it written down. That's there the was... point.
0: If, I'm not sure if they did this this many years ago, but surely he'd re- he would have received a text from the doctors saying your appointment is due on X time.
1: Four years ago, maybe not.
0: Four years ago, you probably...
1: Maybe, maybe not. Is it? It's impossible to say, but I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you. But yeah. you would think he would be running around trying to...
0: Find something to...
1: Well, uh, I went down on this... Oh, I and I got petrol. Here's the receipt.
0: Yeah. And
1: I did this and here's that. Because you're supposedly panic-stricken about your partner that you love and are supposed to be going to marry has just vanished.
0: And you've changed the bank details. So you now receive four grand a month instead of... Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. So three months pass... And there's no news. There's appeals going out. I actually remember seeing those in the news. I remember seeing pictures. They filmed around Royston. They'd put posters up with her missing. Um, and there's nothing. No, nobody, nobody had heard anything. Ian Stewart goes on holiday to Mallorca in that three months when Helen's missing. Now I know it'd been pre-booked before Helen's disappearance, but you would. You'd be emotionally
0: distraught. You wouldn't want to be...
1: Thousands of, of miles. Out of the country. <laughs> yeah, th- that's my thought. So, again, this made police suspicious. There were rumours that surfaced around this time when police were investigating that they Helen and Rip, Ian had gotten engaged just before Helen vanished, but there had been friction in the relationship be due to Stuart's ill health. Now, I mentioned he'd gone to the doctors to have a... Re- surgery wound. wound. Redressed, yeah. yeah. Um, And there's actually quotes I found that said she was thinking about actually leaving him. She'd had enough, yet she'd been looking at wedding venues. She'd actually told a friend that the TLC was wearing thin. Um, And I don't think she was an unkind or an uncaring or or whatever person. I think he was draining. I think think physically and emotionally, I think he would have been very draining to live with. That's the impression I get. As I said, the police had grown very suspicious of Ian Stewart from his initial report of her being missing. He didn't actually know her date of birth. Well, yeah. When's my birthday? Yeah, I know. Um, He didn't know her eye colour. I'm guilty of that. I would struggle with somebody's eye colour, I think. I know my children's, but, yeah. He didn't know the cottage address in Broadstairs. You know, the one he'd actually visited to check where she was, but he didn't know the address of it. Did he have a sat nav?
0: I don't know the address of anyone's house. I yeah, don't know previous off. places that I've lived.
1: Yeah. He was he was all sorts of vague and sketchy. If you listen to these audio tapes, you, you you can't help it. The your radar goes off. And he comes across as apologetic and affable, but stupid more than anything. Not really panic stricken, which most would expect from a partner, as we said. But you can't extrapolate intent from someone not acting as expected. But it did heighten the police's suspicion. So police went digging around and they'd found out about the money from Helen's bank account, uh, the changes to the standing order. They'd also found money had gone missing from the account. He'd taken money out, obviously, to spend for whatever reason. Uh, They'd also found out that Ian Stewart had twice requested copies of her will during that time. Um, And there's also mention of other irregularities which haven't actually been revealed in detail in the reporting. But they were suspicious of heck of of him by that point. Now, the police had obviously done a search initially of the house and grounds. uh, And there was a cesspit that they could see in the main garden. They could see the lid of this cesspit. Now, a neighbour who'd been living in the area for 50 years, obviously was taking notice... Um, and happened to mention to the police that there was a second cesspit in that house. And the entrance to that was in the garage. And Ian Stewart knew that pit was there, but he failed to reveal it. Um, And he actually parked a vehicle over the top of it, didn't mention it to the police. And um, he knew that that was there because Helen and her brother had been at the house looking at it, and Ian Stewart was there. And Helen made a joke to her brother within earshot of Ian Stewart that that cesspit entrance in the garage would be a good place to hide a body. I wonder where she is. Yeah. So the police duly obtained a search warrant and turned up in the early morning, which is a common tactic to catch people off guard when they get out of bed. And on the police tapes of the incident, you can clearly hear Ian Stewart say to his son, who had opened the door to the police... The garage door is open. Twice. While well, the police were repeatedly asking him to get dressed and come to the station for interview on the suspicion of murder.
0: The son or Stuart?
1: Ian Stewart. OK. They were asking Ian Stewart to get dressed to come to the station. And again, he, it, it, they're saying, you know, we'd like you to come to the station to talk to us we're resting you on suspicion of murder. And he's playing the affable idiot again. Oh, no, you're joking. Blimey. And all sorts of stuff. like You can hear it all on the tapes. And there was no context nor logic to the utterance about the garage door. But the police already knew that they were going to look in there and they knew a bit about these statements. Um, apparently, according to one of the documentaries, the statements by Stuart, what's known as leakage, um, his brain couldn't not go to that place that would end up being his downfall. It's a sort of, it wasn't me, governor. Um, apparently the technical term is parapraxis or a Freudian slip. Um, again, thanks Professor Wilson so Helen and Boris's bodies were found by the police in the cesspit. Oh, not the dog no, you murdered the dog were found by the police in the cesspit of the house in Royston on the fifteenth of July twenty sixteen as I said, he parked a car over the top, so you, the, the entrance to the wasn't visible to the detectives and I have a memory. Um, It being reported that one enterprising local local police officer knew that the house was likely not on the main sewers so went to look him, but it appears to be faulty. I can't find that anywhere, so I'm going with what the neighbour told them. can't believe he killed the dog. Well, I'll tell you how they think he did it afterwards. As I said, he'd been arrested on suspicion of murder. Uh, Again, you can see these tapes online. And his official police interviews were very different to the chats that he'd had in the living room of the house in Royston. He basically stays silent. He didn't say a word, not even to say no comment, which he just literally sat there in silence. The police, no matter what they said to him, the challenge is he didn't respond to it. It's
0: He just checked out. Yeah. Seemingly just checked out.
1: Yeah. It was very odd to watch them. Cut forward. Obviously he was charged. Um, went to trial. Uh, which was in January of 2017. Now... Helen had been very worried about her own health, apparently, it seemed, hence the power of attorney. Telling family and friends she was drowsy, forgetful and disoriented, even going so far as to leave Boris on a beach in Broadstairs Something she would never do. He was—he was her last link to her late husband. She absolutely adored that poor little dog. Poor she, Boris. Paul Boris. Yeah. She, she. She. There's a. There's a. A comment where she'd. Uh, her, her. mother said that she'd wronged her, and she was absolutely distraught that she'd done that to Paul Boris. She couldn't believe she'd done it, and I know that feeling very well. You've left more than
0: just animals and places. You've left children.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, the pavol. P- the who? The, the pathologist told the trial that a sedative that had been prescribed to Ian Stewart but not to Helen had been found in her body. And they actually surmised that he'd been drugging her for months. That's why she appeared disoriented, forgetful. It was horrible. Now, a vet found that there was no evidence that Boris had been drugged or had been attacked. But the thinking was that Stuart threw a ball or a toy into the open cesspit, and Boris just jumped in after it.
0: Silence. I'm distraught. The, I'm I'm so upset about Boris. They could, it's a little dachshund, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, a little dachshund. They Aww. couldn't tell, unfortunately... Um,
0: Poor little sausage dog.
1: They couldn't tell... How, sure. how he died. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, with the contents of a cesspit, it's. Yeah. It's gloopy. Um, They couldn't tell whether he drowned. His body had obviously... Decomposed. Decomposed. Apparently, from what I read, Helen's body was found with her arm outstretched. But they don't think she was actually conscious when she was put in there. It's more a case of he just dumped her in there. And that's how she fell in and basically stuck in the goop with her arms up. Hmm. That's... Yeah. Right. Now, it's also... It was well known that Stuart hated that dog. hated Boris and he wanted to convert a bedroom in the house into a man cave for himself and I'm quoting again to get away from pictures of that blasted dog
0: and that'd be funny that would have been an immediate red flag for me if you don't love my dog Mm -hmm. you might have a five bedroom house with a swimming pool you have to love my dog poor Boris
1: right now Obviously you cannot infer again someone's guilt by refuse, someone refusing to take the stand in their own defence. We know that. But his defence, presented obviously by his legal team at trial, um, he refused to get on the stand and he even refused to actually attend court for most of the trial. I'm not quite sure how that works. Um, I've heard of cases in America where the judges basically had them hauled up from the the cells and dumped in the dock, but in the UK obviously that didn't happen but he refused to attend for a lot of the trial. So the defence from his team was that two men had kidnapped Helen and Boris on the 11th of April. They knocked Ian Stewart to the ground and threatened Helen's life if he reported it to the police. The men demanded a ransom of £500,000 for their relief and Ian Stewart claimed that he had spoken to Helen on the 15th of April. Now Place were able to prove that Helen's phone had actually connected to the Wi-Fi in the Broadstairs cottage on the 12th, which was in direct contradiction to his defence because she wasn't there with the kidnappers. She was somewhere else with the kidnappers. So how the hell did her phone connect to the Wi-Fi at the Broadstairs place?
0: There have been a few people that were caught out with that. There were these two students that broke into a, a school campus or college campus, drew swastikas and Nazi imagery everywhere, and their phone's connected to the school Wi-Fi so oh it was Steve and Dave they did it yeah
1: yeah so it's not actually if the reporting on it is a bit vague maybe the her mobile phone was shown with his phone there as well or something but the the reporting that I read said he accidentally switched her phone on briefly which doesn't sound right to me because who accidentally switches a phone on you've got to press the damn buttons hard and hold onto them but anyway that's that's the reporting on that um he even went so far as to give these so-called abductors names, which the police were able to show. He hadn't actually plucked out of nowhere, but were random memories of names of people he used to know. They were, in fact, an old neighbour and an old acquaintance from Bassingbourne. And when the police challenged him, he admitted... I think it was a nick and something else, the name of the people he gave them. He admitted they were not the people who had actually assaulted him when adopting Helen and again Ian Stewart had no injuries and he'd recently had surgery I don't know what it was and visited the doctor to get the dressing change so surely being punched to the ground would have resulted in some visible injury or aggravation of his surgery wound or something and there's no
0: isn't yeah I'm trying to think could he use that excuse of him getting knocked to the ground and that's why he went to the doctors on the date that
1: no, because so it was it was it was a pre-arranged appointment to have this dressing changed because he'd had this type of whatever the type of surgery was. It could have been a mole removed, for all we yeah. know.
0: Again, I'm not on his side. I'm just trying to think no. like a plausible yeah. explanation. So,
1: on the 22nd of February 2017, Ian Stewart was found guilty of murder, preventing a lawful burial, fraud, and three counts of perverting the course of justice,
0: and murdering a Boris. Yeah.
1: You would have thought maybe animal abuse would have come in there, but I guess they couldn't prove it. Anyway, he was sentenced to life in prison and must serve at least 34 years. Now, that's almost unprecedented, those kind of sentences in the UK. And that's pretty hefty. They normally serve half. Um, So if he's you'd get a 20-year sentence, you normally only serve 10 and you get released after 10 with a remainder of 10 on licence. But he's got to serve a minimum of 34 years so he ain't going nowhere because he's nearly 60
0: yeah he's unlikely to live close to 100
1: yeah so Ian Stewart has now been charged with the murder of his first wife Diane that supposedly died of that epileptic fit in the garden in Basingborn and the trial is due to take place in St Albans Crown Court and has been scheduled for the 14th of March 2022 so, case autopsy. I think he planned it for months. Absolute months. Drugging her with all the sleeping pills and whatever. Maybe he thought she would have an accident or go and fall over a cliff or something, walking Boris down in Broadstairs. Are
0: there, are there many cliffs? <laughs> I don't know. Hello, post editing Cameron here again. So I Googled it. There's like seven beaches, which means there's probably like seven cliffs in Broadstairs there's some fuck off white cliffs anyway back to the murder what maybe had an
1: accident when she was driving because she was so spaced out i mean you know maybe it took too long maybe her she wasn't having this accident that
0: coming to the effects of the medication beforehand yeah. yeah
1: um maybe they had an argument that morning um said she was supposed to be very stressed over these wedding venues
0: and um, was he aware of that we know of, of any sort of plans for the wedding.
1: Yes, he knew all about this. Again, this is mentioned in the police interviews. He said that she was very, very stressed because these venues kept falling through. I'm half wondering, because I couldn't find anything else about this, maybe she was lying to him and telling him the venues were falling through because she was telling her friends that this TLC... That she, was... that
0: she wants to get out and she's using that as to make him complacent. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's, you know, maybe, maybe he found out she was lying. I don't know. There were reports that this wedding was imminent, but I don't know how far the booking had gone. Certainly there wasn't any venue. And some experts have actually said that he had no intention of marrying her. But I can't see why he wouldn't. Surely it's easier to claim on the insurance as a legitimate spouse. And she was, as we know, massively insured. So I'm not sure. I think he was a control freak. There's obvious instances of him having a nasty temper. And I think she was probably torn between having a wedding. She didn't want to look, look like a fool. She gushed over him, about his family and friends. She gushed about him in the press. She'd included... Yeah, she's, there's loads of interviews out what there. What's she in the
0: press for? Is that for her blog and things and sort of gaining notoriety? Via yeah. That? Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, she, she comes across as a lovely, genuine, caring, warm person.
0: It's seeming that without trying to form a diagnosis she has low self-worth seemingly if, she, if she's with this person that is
1: i would absolutely agree with by you. all
0: accounts not a nice person
1: i would absolutely agree with you everything that i read i came to exactly the same conclusion and as i said it, her first um
0: we don't want to apply it and be like this no. is the case she clearly had low self-worth but when you think about someone that is apparently successful and doing well clearly is doing financially mm. quite well I
1: think she was thinking about dumping him because she was realising it was actually all about her money. And I do wonder if that argument... There was an argument that morning and she lost it and she said, as I said, she told friends that the TLC was running dry and she was fed up with him. Now, what Helen was actually worth varies on the sources you actually look at. Some say 1.5 million. I don't know if that includes the house or what was in the bank. I don't know.
0: A little caveat for that, though, is a lot of these websites that claim they know the net worth of these people... Uh, there, are, there are YouTube videos of people going, that's wrong. That's completely wrong. Like, yeah. um, Louis Capaldi, his net worth is, like, incredibly high on Google. And he's like, and where is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: It's like some some say her worth was 1.5 million. Some say 4 million. That could be the insurances. I'm guessing he dumped her in the pit, thinking that... He dumped her in the cesspit, thinking that as there were two, he could leave her there forever and carry on living in that house, and the police would only search the one and not know about the other one. And everybody would think she would run, have run away. Um, she, she'd say she was known to suffer with depression.
0: Surely there would have been a cause for concern when she stops uploading to her blog, or her... Or... No, well,
1: she was reported missing, wasn't she? And she, she, she'd just gone missing. He'd reported her as missing, and people do go missing, and people do never reappear. We know that. So I think he, he literally plopped her in there... And think that, well, the police are going to search the one that they know that's out they there. know
0: they know exist.
1: Yeah, and they're just not going to know about the other one. And if that neighbour hadn't... I don't know, at some point maybe her, maybe her brother would have told the police about his... The second tank. Yeah, yeah. I also want to point out one thing. Septic tank cesspit. This place is an hour from central London by train. It's not in the remote, remote wild island... Have I've been paying out that kind of money, I, I'd want it on the main sewage. I just find it... I don't think it's weird.
0: Well, it's, it is an extra hassle, isn't it? Because now, every X amount of months that go by... I, I mean, I don't know how long the life cycle of a septic tank not is. Point. I don't know if it lasts five years, but then, do you want five years of stuff back? Probably not. That sounds like a bomb. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yeah, it's, it's not a case you have these things changed. You have them emptied. The tankers that come out, I know that much, but... I would have thought if you were paying one and a half million pounds for a house that's an hour outside of London, you would have hoped it would have been on mains.
0: I mean, it has a swimming pool, but it doesn't have yeah modern plumbing.
1: Yeah, well, if you're dra- I was just thinking if you're draining out the swimming pool because I'm presuming you do drain out a swimming pool to clean it. Well, or- well
0: I don't think you drain it out. I think you you, only, you have like scrubbers and filters on the actual swimming pool. And then you, you, you would have someone that will come out and clean it. Know.
1: It's not a problem you or I are ever going to probably have. Anyway.
0: It's an expensive puddle.
1: Yeah. So, sad. No, side note. It also seems that Helen did actually include Ian Stewart's boys in her last changed will. And I've got no idea if they're collected, but it can't be easy for them, especially as they supported their father at trial and gave evidence for on his behalf. Um, I haven't gone into them, it's not their story, but finding out about the second case, their mother, must actually be really difficult for them.
0: You'd just feel guilty if, if you were them, because you're supporting your dad throughout this entire process. Turns out he did it to his new wife, your mother, and you're also part of the will for the woman that he subsequently killed. So All kinds of fucked up. You would just feel guilty. Like, yeah. You couldn't help but feel that this you're to blame. You it's it's almost like survivor's guilt, I'd imagine.
1: Yeah. I don't disagree at all. Um there's some claims about Ian Stewart that I ca- again, I can't verify these. Um he supposedly he was mean. Um he refused to pay for cups of tea or join in the office rip round rip, whip rounds, but I can't find the original source to substantiate it, so I didn't actually use that in the main body. Um, I know there's at least three other podcasts that covered this case, but I didn't use in my research. I didn't listen to them. Um, so if you want to perhaps listen to a different perspective, do a search your podcast app and see what you can find. Um, one of the th- interesting things about doing this, I also discovered that getting a ta- court transcript in the UK is massively expensive. Um, you can actually read appeals online fairly easily, but... To get a court transcript, as I say, there's only five companies that are actually uh, allowed to do it for the court service, and it can cost in excess of about £1,500, I think. So, um, as his next trial is in St Albans, which isn't too far away from us, uh, hopefully we're still around keeping you guys entertained. Um, we'll do an update and I will actually see if I can sit in public gallery in two years in two years that'd be really interesting so it's it's just easier I think to it was things like finding that original standing order to him was 400 pounds and 600 pounds and I saw different and heard different amounts all over the place and it was never mentioned in the police interviews um, so it's who's to, and I think if if I was sat in the court in the public gallery I would take my own notes around things like that so I know that if it's down, wrong, it's actually genuinely down to me. So that's our inaugural episode. Rest in peace, Helen and Boris.
0: So what are your thoughts? Um, I'm just sad about Boris. He killed the dog.
1: There really wasn't any need, but I suppose it validated his story that she was out walking the dog, but it doesn't add up when you look at the timeline to go and see this, That Solicitor. Why,
0: I know he hated the dog. Yeah. But why kill the dog? What did Boris do? Boris the Rip Boris the sausage dog.
1: Maybe Boris, because he was uh, the last link to Helen's previous husband, maybe he hated him because of that, but he genuinely hated that dog. I... Yeah, it's
0: just sad. But...
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's our first case covered. I can't wait to see. Any words? Are you having a stroke?
1: I'm Do having you... a stroke. Do you figure I how to talk? I'm now letting my nerves... You're, su- you're swaying side to side. Yes, my nerves are kicking in full blast now. Terrified. God.
0: But yeah, thank you for listening. Peace. So hopefully you enjoyed the podcast. Please like, follow, and subscribe. It's free and helps us out a lot. And if you change your mind in the future, you can always do just that. Find us at monday at gmail.com and find us on the gram at Murderme Monday Podcast. And once again, please find Helen's blog at planetgrief.com.